Hi, my name is Bill Cumby. I'm a teacher at First Church Ministries. Uh, we're looking at the book of Ephesians, and we're in the second lesson of the third chapter. We're trying to do about half a chapter each time, and uh, we're going to look at Paul's second prayer in Ephesians today, um, and I'm going to open us in prayer, and then we're going to get started. Lord, we thank you for the time we have. We thank you that you care for us and watch over us, um, that you never leave us that you have uh, given us each other, that we can learn from each other to um, love you more and draw closer to each other and, and draw closer to you through that. And Lord, as we study your prayer today, the, sec the second prayer that Paul has prayed for the Ephesians in this, in this book of Ephesians, that we might be able to truly understand your great love for us and your desire for us to draw closer to you. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we're, going to, we're talking about the book of Ephesians. I'll give a little bit of an overview just to give some settings. Um, the book of Ephesians was written when Paul was in prison. More than likely, he was about 60 years old, um, and he had, uh, he had done three missionary trips. He was raised as a, uh, as a devout Jew um, and uh, in, as a rabbi, and in this, probably in the Sanhedrin, which is the ruling council in his early 30s. Um, when Christ was uh, a contemporary of his, Christ was crucified. And shortly thereafter, the church would start to be persecuted, and Paul was one of the persecutors. Uh, God miraculously uh, intervened in his life and um, caused him to do uh, 180. It seems like a very uh, weak term for that, but he changed his life and became an apostle to the Gentiles. So he became a, a proclaimer, a herald of Christ's good news, and you would have thought that he would have used one of the most important Jews and most profound Jewish persons of his time to be an um, apostle to the Jewish people, but that was left to Peter, who was a fisherman, and Paul, who was the trained Jewish rabbi, became an apostle to the Gentiles. And we talked about, and so we, the past few lessons, we talked about um, some pretty profound ph philosophical thoughts that Paul had that as he was stuck in prison, uh, he slowed down when he was in prison, two or three years he was there, and uh, he had time to think. And Ephesians is, a, is the fruit of that thinking. And it talks about the church and what the, what's really important. It's one of the more, um, uh, I would say, metaphysical books of the Bible. It, it is a book that talks about what is, what is the meaning of life, okay? What, what is really there? And we see this in this first verse when it says, that the, the mystery of God now revealed, and Paul being the apostle of that, and we talked about that uh, the last two weeks, and, and now we're into the prayer, but last two weeks we talked about the, that all things would be united in Christ, okay? And that meant Jews and Gentiles. That, and that was first and foremost. I didn't really go on from there. That was first and foremost, but the, the, the point of this is that all of creation will be united in Christ. There will be a special... Um, union that, that occurs in Christ um, among his people, that uh, we will not become God, uh, we, we will not be one with, with Christ like Christ is one with the Father and the Holy, the Son, and Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a trinity, but we'll be in a, in a state that's much elevated from any other part of nature. It's, it's almost a separate category. Um, and Paul wants us to understand that is the cosmological. That's the reason this all happened. Okay, God created the universe because of the church, Christ and the church. He created. Now, there's questions that there's other intelligent life out there, and there may be. I don't know. I mean, it's a big universe. 
Um, none of this is contrary to that. All we know is that if it is out there and there's intelligent life out there, that there will be, uh, that it all is, will be one day united with Christ. This the intent here is that all things would be under one head Christ. Interestingly enough, there are categories of things that aren't under Christ. Okay? The angels will not be united with Christ. That's why it talks in the Hebrews that we were made a little lower than the angels, but we will be higher than the angels in eternity because we'll be united with Christ. And so, so there was something in this creation, this time-space creation, something in the creation of mankind that God had an intent to do something more marvelous than we'd ever think about. Okay? And so Ephesians is, a, is one of Paul's attempts, and it is an attempt, um, and it is guided. I think it, it's inspired, but, it, but I, don't, I don't think any human, um, any human understanding is, is capable of encompassing the reality of everything. So this is what Paul's talking about, about Christ in the church. And so we're, we're going to go into the, he goes into, after he talks about the fact that he's an apostle that's revealing this, he has a second prayer. And uh, this is, um, I have a very short slide s- section on this. Uh, I'm a minimal slide person now. Um, one is this, this prayer, and then I will show you the other two slides real quick and go back. The next slide is part of that broken out and another part broken out. So, so we're going to read this and, and then talk about it in more detail. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So this is Paul's second prayer. The first prayer is that we would understand the power that raised Christ from the dead. Okay, in the end of chapter 1, he says, I, I pray that you might understand that great power that raised Christ from the dead is now available to us as believers. Um, We live in a society that's very skeptical. It's very, it, it, it's sort of a love-hate relationship. It's a, uh, so uh, with the supernatural, uh, we say, oh, it's, it's not scientific. It, that's super, I don't deal with supernatural stuff. And yet, there's this fascination with the supernatural. All the, a lot of the movies are about supernatural, superheroes or this, that. And so we, we really, I think there's a part of us that know it exists, and there's a part of us that, that, that um, um, are very adverse to it for a couple reasons. Uh, one is we're afraid it'll be abused. You know that that um, in fact a lot of the supernatural stuff we see is is scary stuff. Okay, and uh, and the other part of it is um, we're not in control of the supernatural. The, su- the we, we and we can't really understand it. But he's talking. Um, Paul is talking about a supernatural power in Christ that raised Christ from the dead, saying that power is available in us. The reason I, I take this discursus is because um, 
we need to access that power. If you are living your life in nat naturally, you're trying to be a good person, you're trying, to, you're trying to honor God, you're trying to live a good life, that's great. I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing that, but I'm saying God wants more than that. God wants to live in us. God's Holy Spirit uh, is, is the only one that can give us ultimate power to change our lives. And, and this is the truth. We, we might be able to change our behavior very well. I mean, Paul did a great job. He was flawless as a Pharisee. He wasn't a believer, uh, but he was flawless as a Pharisee. He said, I was without sin from a Pharisee to go view my. But inside, our thoughts, our actions and stuff are, are hor horrible. In his word, he was hateful, full of hatred. Now, he felt there was a holy hatred towards the people he was persecuting, but we know probably that wasn't true. We know there were other things inside him that were, uh, that were wrong, and the Holy Spirit is the only thing that can really change that is the Holy Spirit. There's, a, there's an expression, physician, heal yourself, heal thyself, um, and it, the idea there is how can, if you're the healer, how can you not heal, be, be healed? And um, the truth of that matter is that it's very difficult to change who you are because who you are is who you are. <laughs> and so you need an outside. So the Holy Spirit comes in to change who we are, okay? Um, so we're going to come back to that at this end of this lesson. Let's go into this section, though. So, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, I have some, uh, let me give you the hierarchy here. Okay, if it's bold and italicized, it's important. I, there's points I want to pick out. If it's underlined, it's the heart of the passage, okay? So, so what he's saying here, what I'm saying here, is that Paul's prayer is that we be strengthened with power so that Christ might dwell in our hearts through faith, so that we would know the love of Christ and may be filled with all the fullness of God. Those are the key points here. The other words add in there to, 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 to are important and modified and do it, but those are the key thoughts. So we would know the power that, so that Christ, so that the purpose of that power is not that we use it on other people or anything else, it's so that we would know that Christ dwells in our lives. Why do you need power for that? Well, we're gonna talk about that in a second. Um, and that we would know the love of Christ and that we may be filled with the fullness of God. So th there is, a, again, this desire here expressed explicitly that the Holy Spirit live in us. The, the, filled with the fullness of God is the Holy Spirit's dwelling in us to do this. So, so um, um, let's deal with the first section that's up there. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Um, we, God has become so much a friend to us sometimes that we don't realize that... Uh, it is, it is good and proper to give deference to God and kneeling, bowing the knee uh, before the Father. Um, uh, we are children of God, and yet there is a time to bow before the majesty of God. And so he does that. Paul does that. Paul, Paul realizes that prayer is special communication. Okay? Yes, you can pray at all times. In fact, he says pray at all times. But, but there is a time and a place for dedicated zone of prayer um, in homage to God, okay? And so he kneels, for this reason I kneel before the Father. I, he humbles himself. From whom every family in heaven and earth is named. Now, this is a key point. I don't think we have enough time to really go into this in detail. Um, and if we do, we'll be a little longer. So maybe I'll be a little over this time. But Okay, so if you look back in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, when God created the heavens and earth, the word bara is the word to create, and it means to create something out of nothing. And in fact, the first verse when it says, 
God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, he uses the word bara, okay? He uses it four other times in Genesis 1. Very interesting. He uses it to create the heavens and the earth. He uses it when the first animals are created, the great sea animals. So, so the plants and everything, he doesn't use the word create. He says, let the earth bring forth vegetation and stuff like that. But when it comes to creating animals, living animals like the sea creatures and the birds and, and the uh, wild animals, he uses the word bara there once. And God created the great sea animals, and, and then he talks about the other animals created. And then it's mentioned three other times. It's mentioned three other times when he talks about creating man. He says, and he created man, mankind, man and woman, he created them. And, and uh, I, I, I actually, it's worth reading the verse because I, I would stumble otherwise, but it, 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 it's a beautiful thing. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them, okay? So he's talking, so the reason I say this is because the, the, the focus on Genesis has nothing to do with the creation of the world, okay? That's a, that's a byproduct there. He, that's, the, that's the stage. You, you get, we get confused in Genesis 1 and we think, well, the six days of creation, all of a sudden, that's the stage, buddy. That's not the actors. The actors are here, mankind, okay? And he uses the word bara three times here because the special creation of man is different, okay? Um, no. I, and I'm not going to delve into the this questions of evolution right now and whether animals evolved and that, but I can tell you this. The Bible clearly teaches that man did not evolve. He teaches that man is a special creation, created in the image of God, and he does it three times, again, Trinity, and he talks about the fact that God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So. There's an intimacy there, and, and there's an intimation um, that um, God is multi, okay? So, because he created mankind, male and female, okay? So, so there is this idea of, of, of God being three in one and man being multiple two. So, mankind is one, but there are men and women, and... and and the imagery is not just male and female, it's the fact that, that, that mankind is created. Not just male and female, but all of mankind is being created here. And so, um, when he talks about here, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, what are you, what are you talking about? Why are you going? We receive, uh, parenthood comes from God. The, 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 the fact that God created us and that we are children of God is actually the basis for us being parents too. When he created us, he created us as a um, as a community. Um, and so, when when every family in heaven and earth is named, when every group of animal, every pride of lions, every you know, um, I don't know what is it, gavel of geese or whatever, I, you know, whatever, every group is is that, that has some kind of familial type thing. It's just a, a faint image or echo of who God is in Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, why is that important? Well, it's, it's important because when we see how intimate the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is, we realize how important we should be to one another. Okay? There is a, there's something. God cares 
we, we need to care for each other, okay? And God cares for us more. So, so the, there's a question of who has the greater love, okay? Is, is the greater love uh, man and woman, husband and wife type thing, or is it family, mother, uh, child, father, child, okay? The truth is, is that God subsumes both of those. The love of God is greater than both of those. And in fact, those are two different kinds of love, but very closely related love. And they're just two images of how God loves us, okay? So later in this, it's going to talk about Christ and the church being like husband and wife. But other places, it talks about us being children of God. So, so you need to understand, when he bows before God to pray this prayer, he comes with the realization that all these manifestations of, of fatherhood and parenthood and, and community and groupness come from God. So he bows and he says, um, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, and again, he, he's saying, you know, I want you to access the full power of God, okay, the riches of his glory, um, uh, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power, okay, and so that's he's, that's the request that he may grant you to be strengthened with power. Um, he's not talking about supernatural powers to bend steel or to see through walls or the you know, other. It's it's the power to be the people he wants us to be. You know the the there the, the most. It, it's interesting that all the superheroes still have weaknesses. And the weaknesses, they all have some kind of physical weakness, but they all have inner emotional weaknesses. You would think that, uh, that, as, uh, that Superman would have no, I mean, what does he need Lois Lane for? You know, there's, there's these, these, they still have this love and desires and stuff like that, and they still have their weaknesses. They're still unable to sometimes do something they need to do because they want to do something else. And so they're against the same battle that all humankind has. The power he's talking about us being strengthened with uh, is that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith so that we would have the power to turn away the things that distract us from Christ. The things that, um, that doesn't sound like much power, it's super powerful because this world is constantly in our face. It's constantly telling us that it has a better way to make us happy than God does. Um, and again, strengthened through his spirit, again, you're not going to access this power any other way. It's only through the Holy Spirit in you, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So, so his prayer is that you be strengthened with power so Christ would dwell in your heart through faith. And it's like, Christ is not. I, I ask, you know, I, I, let's say, and I assume you're, you're believers, okay? Christ dwells in your you, You're a believer. Christ dwells in your heart, okay? But, but, but there's more to the prayer than that, okay? Yes, Christ dwells in your heart, uh, in your heart through faith, uh, dwells in your heart. But are you faithful in there? Are you really believing it? And then the second thing is, do you really understand how much he loves you, okay? Um, and that, that's where we're going with this, because Paul understands that once we understand how much God really loves us, what the full depths are of God's love, that everything else plays out. We won't be tempted by the world anymore. We'll want to do the things. When you understand, so, so uh, again, the, uh, mother's love for a child, uh, if you're a mother, you picture that, uh, or a father for your child, 
or your spouse or you're dating someone you're in love with that that and let's let's zoom that to the nth level that you love them like no other love before okay I know there's problems we dwell on earth we dwell in reality sometimes marriages aren't all they're supposed to be sometimes um, mother father uh, mother um, child relationships or father child relationships aren't all they could be um, but but we all have an image of what a truly deep love would be for that either we have it or we know someone we could get some ideas of they really have it all together the person deeply in love will do anything for another person they don't want you know um, you want to go and do this tonight no I don't really oh that's fine I don't either and they really believe it they're not giving up something for that they're they're they really want the the primary thing is they want to be with the person they want to just exist with the person there's a there's a, it's just a desire to be with them, to, again, exist with them, to be one with them that transcends all other things. And that's what Paul's praying here. Paul's praying that prayer. He's saying, I want you to understand. I want you to have the power. I want the Spirit dwelling in you so you'll dwell, so Christ will dwell in your uh, hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in that love, would have strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and, uh, of, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and to be filled with the fullness of God. Paul's, that's the ultimate prayer for every Christian, that we would know God's love that deeply. That love, for most of us, broke through at one time, at least to an extent, when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, we understood how much he loved us and how much God loved us and we went there. It, but it fades over time, and it get, and our eyes, the eyes of our heart are weak. So, so chapter one, he's praying that the eyes of our hearts would be strengthened, that we would know the power that God has for us to be united with Christ. And here, he's praying that we would know that love. There's this desire in God that He really wants to be intimate with us, and an intimate level far beyond far beyond anything we normally experience. Um, uh, sometimes the mystics of, of, of the faith, um, they overstep bounds and do crazy things, and sometimes it's a show, but sometimes it's not this deep love that's there. It just, the undying love is, is it's a wonderful thing that Paul wants us to have. Um, he wants us to have it while still existing in the world, not to necessarily be a mystic that goes away from the world, uh, and isolates ourselves because we're part of a community again. But, but he does want that love there. And that's why you could say to Mary and Martha, you know, you know, Martha, Martha, you're concerned for many things, but Mary has chosen the right thing, okay? And yeah, it, there were things that have to be done. And, and, but God can get anybody to do those things, okay? He can get anybody. He, he, gets, he gets kings and rulers that hate him to do the things he wants them to do, okay? Cyrus, for example, the Persian Cyrus sent everyone back to Jerusalem to, in, in restored to captivity. I'm not saying he hated to do it, um, but, but uh, he had no Jewish beliefs. I mean, he was, he was doing it under uh, a compulsion from God. He said, he, Cyrus, even though he doesn't acknowledge me, I will send it back. Pharaoh sent the people out of Egypt, and I guarantee you he didn't want to do that. So, so um, so God's able to do it all for us. Um, I, excuse me, going back to 
Sometimes you get older, you forget your thoughts. So God can get anybody to do anything. He doesn't need you to feed the poor. Now, get, don't get me wrong. We should feed the poor. He, he does. We are his hands and feet, and in that sense, he needs us to feed the poor because people see God through us, okay? And he wants us to do that, and he wants us to love others. What I'm saying is this is God doesn't need you to give a better example probably God doesn't need my business to succeed okay if, if, if my business goes pop then that's that's okay um, from God's standpoint he, he could get someone else to develop what I'm developing I don't, I don't have to be a developer um, but only we can give him more love and we were created to be in union with Christ and and the thing that God lost in the fall. Yeah, I know. I haven't really thought about this much, but you think about God lost in the fall too. God used to come down and walk with mankind and have fellowship with mankind, and that fellowship was lost in the fall. God opened Himself to that loss. He knew it was going to happen. He knew that man was going to be rebellious, uh, even though and it was a free choice. But He still knew it was going to happen too, and but He was willing to suffer that pain because he loves us. He didn't need us to tend the world. We don't do a very good job of it sometimes, but, but the truth is, is that he wanted us because he wanted to have an experience with us. He wanted to be that father who paints the walls with his son type of thing. So, so this is his prayer for us. I, and unfortunately, um, um, the second passage is is, is, is a sort of key in there, and we'll talk about it now. Um, uh, but uh, I may not be able to give both examples I want to talk about. Uh, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So um, God, he's praying, um, when he closes the prayer, he's saying, God is able to do far more abundantly than anything we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and Christ Jesus through all generations. So the purpose of this is not just to, that we be filled with love. That's true. But also that we be, uh, that, that Christ receive the glory. That we, you know, again, when you're in love with someone, you love to talk about how beautiful they are, how sweet they are, and all this, how kind they are, and all those other things, because you get joy from magnifying them or glorifying them. And, and, uh, and Paul realizes that that's a, an ultimate goal for us, too, is that we will be happiest when we're glorifying who God is. So I have a few questions here real quickly, and I want to give a couple examples to close. Um, what is it that we desperately need or want? What is, it, what is it in your life? Now, you might desperately need or want it and know it's sin, okay? I'm, 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 I'm not excluding anything. I'm just saying that's not the image I want you to think of. I want you to think of what, you, what is it that you feel in your life that God and his goodness could give to you, wants to give to you, but won't give to you because he's not powerful enough. Not because he's not giving it to you because it's sin, okay? So, um, but, but that you, you need this. Um, and what would an abundant answer to fervent prayer be, um, that fervent prayer? And um, when we see these answers, and I'm going to give a couple examples in my life as these examples, we need to remember them because we need to understand that God can answer far more than we expect or think. Um, and and uh, the two examples I, I have 
Um, one is, is one I used to use a lot because it was very close to me. I've been a believer now for um, uh, 35 years, almost 36 years. Um, I did not grow up in a household that um, regularly worshiped God. I mean, that, that walked close with him. I had some exposure to Christianity and stuff, um, but I, 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 it was not a regular thing for the, with us. I became a Christian when I was 16 on my own. Um, and when I say on my own, I do mean on my own. It was from reading the, a Bible. There were, afterwards, I found, and C.S. Lewis talks about this, other people praying for you and coming to your life, but, but I was by myself. Um, and my family situation was pretty, pretty, pretty rough. Um, and um, I'm trying to edit this as I go along because it's tapes. <laughs> uh, so uh, when I was a senior in high school, um, my father committed suicide. My parents were again ready to have a divorce. There were again a lot of other stuff that I, I just can't really can't really share. Um, but um, things were pretty bad, and my father committed suicide. And um, I was set, I, I had to get away. I mean, my situation, I, to me, in a lot of ways, was like a living hell. And I had to get away. And I had applied to this one school, uh, Ivy League. My grades, were, my grades were not that good. My test scores were very good. But the test, it was a bit iffy thing. And I was a bit desperate. And I had no background. But it was an Ivy League school. And then I was going to apply to a backup school. And my backup school was a very good school in Virginia. Uh, and my father died as I was filling out, literally as I was filling out the application, not, not within the week of filling out the application. And I called them and they said they'd give me an extra month to fill out the application, which I did. And I sent it in and I didn't get accepted because I missed the deadline. And I called them up and told them that and th what they said. And they said, well, we're not letting you in. And so I didn't get into the Ivy League school either. And so I'm left with um, not having, being able to go to school. And I really wanted to. And I had a, um, a, a Sunday school teacher who took me on almost as a father. I was I started going to church at that time, good Southern Baptist church, and uh, he got me into ODU, and um, which is the local university, which is a good university, but it's not anywhere near where I want to go. Uh, and the biggest issue was it was still local, and I had to get away. I mean, I had to get away. Things were. Things were bad before my father committed suicide. They didn't go away when he did that. They just got worse. And so um, I cried out to God. I said, I don't understand what's going on here. Why you can't, um, why you can't get me out of this situation? Um, you know, in a similar way, I cried out when my dad died, you know? And um, I didn't get any verbal answer. But I had to go on with life. And um, I tell you, my time at ODU and the, the local church I got involved with was times where I've grown more in three or four years spiritually than I've grown in decades other times. I grew and I grew and I learned and I learned to love God more. And none of my family were professing believers when, when, I, when my dad died. Um, all of them are professing believers now, and all of them became professing believers during that time when I was there. Um, 
not solely through my ministry, but partly through my ministry. And the question is, would they, any of them, have done that otherwise? So sometimes God's answers to prayers are a little bit failed, but they're still good. When you see them and you look back and you realize, he was answering my prayer. My prayer would be for my family. My prayer would be the things would, that I would grow in God. Yeah, it'd be nice to get a nice engineering degree from a good university too, but hey, you know, that God was answering a prayer more abundantly than I want to. The other example, and I'll close with this, is uh, um, I, I worked with a large engineering firm for almost 30 years. It was a great engineering firm. Uh, it was premier environmental engineering firm, and I grew from, from 3,500 to 25,000 in the 29 years I was there. They were able to get me to Egypt. I was able to work as an engineer in Egypt for a couple of years. When I wanted to go to seminary, they let me flex down on my time and go to seminary, transfer me to office there, and I was able to work there and still go to seminary. My wife got sick and almost died. I gave birth to our fourth son. They were flexible. They tried to help me out there. When I started a co- tried to start my own company, uh, they let me flex down there and keep health care benefits while I tried to start my company for five years. In fact, it became somewhat of a joke with, with, with some of my compatriots, well, what would Bill do next? Because I did a lot of different things, and they accommodated those, okay? But after 29 years, I got senior enough that I couldn't keep on doing all the fun technical stuff that I wanted to do, and they were moving me less into that, and that was my track technical, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, in fact, it was getting downright onerous. And uh, I remember getting up one morning uh, at Ford to drive up to um, Northern Virginia to uh, a military base up there where we were doing work. And uh, driving back about two in the afternoon after I got the meetings done and the work done, and I was driving back. And I'm thinking, yeah, I can't take this anymore, God. I just, I can't take this. I don't like my work. I just, I can't take the longer this. The long uh, hours with not challenging work, and I just felt overwhelmed. And then I thought to myself, you know, be careful what you ask for, Bill, because God can get you out of it, but it might be because you don't have a job. I mean, you know, and, 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 that was, and, and that was some of my relationship with God at the time. I, I knew him. I knew he could do everything, but I was sort of like, and he had done so much in my life. And I don't know why I was thinking, but I was thinking, it's all going to be for the good. And... So I get home that afternoon. I open my computer to start keep doing work, you know, because uh, just goes get back to me. Work stops. So I get up there and I open up the computer, and there's an email pops up from my company, and my company says, "We've never done this before, and we don't ever plan on doing it again, but we are going to offer early retirement, and you qualify." Now. Uh, I have to tell you, I worked with two other people. Both those people I worked, again, I was with them 29 years, CH, and, uh, but these other two people were there for about 25 years, that maybe a little bit more, and they were very close friends, uh, mentors. We went to the same church, and, and one of them was too key to qualify for it, and the other was six months shy of qualifying for it, and I qualified for it. God answered my prayers and sent me over and, and was able to, you know, to help me so I started my own company. Um, the week after I started my own company, or two weeks after I started my own company, a, a call came out from NASA to do some research, which I really wanted to do. In fact, I wanted to do that since, since 1984, when I was, uh, just got out of school. And so I, uh, I um, applied for that, and I got that, and we're working with that. 
Right now, my company's on the ropes again. The coronavirus has hit a lot of people, but there's other stuff too. I mean, five years I've worked in this company. I've I sweated. Uh, we have not yet made a profit, but it's where God wanted me, and I could see He wanted me there, and He answered my prayer to get there. In some ways, my own fault, right? If I was where I want to be, but no, I know He wants me there, and I can see fruit there, not as much as I want to, but I, I see that because I see. I'm still a weak person. But this is the truth. God can answer our prayer. God, I mean, he, this company had 25,000 people in it. And it sends out an email the day I'm crying out to God that it's going to offer early retirement that only a slice of people get. And I get it. Okay? He can answer all those prayers. He can do that. And when he does that, you need to remember it. And then, so I remember that now. Because right now, I'm not sure about my company. I'm not sure what's going on there. So I pray to him. I pray this prayer that, that he would answer my prayer and that he would answer the prayer far more abundantly my, than I can think or imagine. And I know he will. And I know the ultimate goal is not the survival of my company. Because I pray for that, but he is thinking of the bigger picture. What will draw me closer to him in the long term? And so the answer may be, as it was with the other company I had, no, Bill, this company's not going to succeed. You're going to have to close it. He was gentle with me. I didn't go bankrupt. I was able to close the company up and, and, and walk away and pay the debtors. But God cares more for who we are and our relationship with him than he cares about your company or he cares about your health, or he cares about anything else, okay? I, I, he'll take care of your family. He'll take care of your children, your spouse, stuff like that. He wants you. And the prayer here is that you trust him in that and that you know that to such a depth that when you're praying the prayers for your family and your spouse and your job and your other things, that you know he's answering that that he's answering it in a way that will work it out for the best for you and for those you're praying for too. That's a wonderful prayer. It's a prayer that we can pray for other people. So use the model, use this model as a prayer for other people and um, use it as a prayer for yourself that you would know God's great love. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the time we have. We thank you that you care for us and watch over us that uh, you want only good for us, uh, never bad. Um, and the pain and toil that we go through, you will use in our lives to help us grow closer to you, to love you more, and to draw others to you also. And so we thank you for that. We thank you that the pain is not wasted, the toil is not wasted, that you use it all, but that you also want us to rest in you, that you are the ultimate strength that powers us to draw closer to you too. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen.